Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe teaches from the book of Proverbs, chapter 26. Why don't we open up to Proverbs 26, verse 1, and we're going to go through about half of this chapter tonight. So Proverbs 26, we're picking up in verse 1 where we left off. I tell you, this the book of Proverbs has been such a, a wonderful book. I keep saying that, but just when I, every week I, I study it, I think, wow, it just doesn't get any better. And I'll tell you what, it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. I, I've been, you know, as I was thinking about, you know, the introduction and yesterday as I was studying, and I was, I kind of, I see it as like we're sitting at a big table, you know, filled with all different kinds of food because there's so many different topics in the Proverbs. It's almost like we're just partaking of all different kinds of stuff. I mean, we jump to the mashed potatoes and we, we eat a little bit of mashed potatoes and then we go and, and we eat some, you know, turkey and then we go over to this spot and we're eating some stuffing and we're just, and it's been like a feast. And I'll tell you what, I was, you know, as I was putting this study together yesterday, I was just like, I was feeling like, wow, this is just such a great feast. And then I started thinking about when we go over topics two or three times, it's like going back to the table for seconds and thirds, you know, just, or it's so good. You want to get more and you want to, you know, you want to get another helping. And that's how I feel it's been with all these different topics. And hopefully um, you're digging in and you're enjoying each verse because each verse is so rich. So with that, why don't we dig into our meal tonight, this wonderful word of God that's inspired and that's alive. Verse 1, Proverbs 26. And Solomon writes, As snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. It's very unlikely to have snow in the summertime. It's uh, unlikely to have rain during harvest in that area. Um, it's not fitting. It's not, it doesn't go together. And it's not fitting for a, a fool or to give a fool honor. It doesn't go together. They don't deserve honor if they're foolish. A, a fool is, is someone that rejects God and rejects God's ways. Remember in the proverb, or excuse me, in the Psalms, it says a, a fool is said in his heart. There is no God. And it's that rejection of God. So why would you give that person honor and glory? That, that word honor is also glory. And, and you don't want to glorify somebody that's, that's rejecting God and rejecting God. So just wisdom here, you know, it, it doesn't fit. If you were to have a foolish man that's uh, just totally rejects God and just hardened towards God, and you're saying, wow, you know, this God, this man is so godly, and he's so, and you're giving him great honor, it doesn't fit. You're not supposed to do that. You're not, you know, so just a, an exhortation not to do that. It's not fitting. Verse 2, like a flighting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. Another translation I want to read, it says, like a fluttering sparrow or a, dart, a darting swallow, 
an unfair curse will not land on its intended victim. In other words, you know, birds, these different birds will fly overhead and they're not going to affect you. They're, you know, they're darting around over your head and, and that doesn't affect you. Well, neither does a curse. You know, someone, you know, putting a curse on you. I've had that happen to me before. I've had a man, you know, once that even came to this church and he's just kind of, you know, a little bit, you know, just kind of, I don't know. I don't even want to, you know, say what he was. Uh, I can't even put words to it. But, uh, you know, I, he cursed me once. He says, I curse you. And, you know, I was like, it's like I, I didn't even think twice about it. And not in an arrogant way, but in a godly way. Because as Christians, we don't have to worry about curses. And I want to clarify that because, you know, there's some groups of Christians that, that tell you, oh, there's generational curses. And, you know, the Bible talks about how sin can carry on to generations. And I, that's true. And you'll see that. You'll see, you know, families that maybe alcoholism or, or you know, having drinking problems. It, it's like it goes through the line and you see stuff like that. So you see that, you know, those sins do carry on to, to the children. But... Once you become born again of God's Holy Spirit, the curse is gone. Or if you want to call it a curse, you know, the, the, the attachment there, it's gone. And you do not have to be. And I want to make sure every born again, blood-bought saint of the living God understands this, that you cannot be cursed. Why don't you turn with me, to, just to back this up. And, you know, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, please. Now, this is talking about the curse of the law, but it, it goes on to talk about, about the blessings and, you know, quoting about, you know, Jesus becoming a curse for us. So Galatians 3.13, we're going to look at 13 and 14. But it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Uh, Paul the Apostle writing to uh, those in the area of Galatia, he's quoting Deuteronomy 21, 23, saying Jesus Christ became a curse when he went to the cross. Because in Deuteronomy, it says, you know, cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. Jesus hung upon a tree, so he took the curse away. Do you remember, you know, they, they put a crown of thorns upon his head? The thorns that represent the curse that came to the land, the, the curse of the sin, Adam's sin, and the weeds came, and, and the thorns came, and, and the curse came. But Jesus Christ, he bore the crown on his head, and he hung upon a tree, and he took away the curse. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. But check out the next verse. If, if you don't think that this applies to us, well, it, think again, because this verse will clarify that. It goes on to say, verse 14, Galatians 3, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon who? The Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That's us. Most of us, if, you're, if you've accepted Christ. That we might receive, check this out, the promise of the Spirit through faith. The curse is gone. The curse of sin is gone. The curse of even the law, of trying to keep the law and, and be, you know, trying to be able to be right before God, keeping all the rules and regulations, and it can become a curse to you because you can't do it. And I believe it also falls in this category is any curse that someone wants to put upon you, as we just looked at there in Proverbs. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's witchcraft. There's mediums. 
There's, you know, all this type of stuff, and, and there's power in that. There's, you know, the Bible talks about that, and we see, you know, there's power in, in this, these, you know, people that so-called, you know, they call, you know, witches. I, I remember someone I knew real well, you know, she was dabbling in witchcraft, and she says, oh, it's okay, I'm just a white witch. I said, well, there we go. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, there, and there's power in, in, in those things. There's power in the demonic realm, Yes. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And we do not have to worry about those things. Another thing I want to bring up with this whole bit of cursing and all is, you know, uh, a born again believer cannot be demon possessed. And you get some groups that'll, they'll, you know, they disagree with that. But I, I don't see it in scripture. There's too many scriptures, you know, again, greater is he that's in you. Who's in you as a believer, the Holy Spirit, than he that's in the world, so you, do you think that it's possible that the Holy Spirit can dwell inside of you and also somewhere in there, the devil in his de- demonic realm can dwell in there? No. When you go into a dark room and you turn on the light, shoo, darkness has to, take, has to flee. And we're the children of the light. When we have the light turned on, when Jesus Christ by his spirit lives in us, darkness has to go. So don't fall for that. Before we go on to the, the next verse, I remember the, I just want to look at something else here. Remember in, in Numbers 22 when, when uh, Balak, the king of Moab, called for Balaam to curse the children of Israel? Do you remember that? That is such a, if you've never read that story before, look in Numbers 22. You'll be fascinated. It is so fascinating. We don't have time to go through it. It's a long story, but I just want to summarize it for you. The king, Balak, he hired Balaam, Remember? to curse the children of Israel. Remember, he took them up on different mountaintops and, you know, he'd take Balaam up there and he says, okay, go ahead, curse them. And do you remember what Balaam did? First off, before he did anything, he told Balak, he says, you know what? I can only say what God tells me to say. Remember that? So he stands there and he overlooks the children of Israel. And if you recall this story, he poured out blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings. And he basically said, who, who can curse what God is blessed? Remember the king, he got so upset. He says, what are you doing? He says, one of the times he says, you know, don't say anything if you're going to do that. You know, why are you even talking? I, I hired you to curse. <laughs> and then remember, he, he thought that another location would might, maybe God will, you know, give him favor at another location. So they went to another mountaintop and he like told him, okay, now go ahead, curse him. And he stands back and he's I'm, basically, I see the picture, you know, and, and Balaam again, just pours out blessing pours out blessing, pours out blessing, pours out blessing on the children of Israel time and time and time again. And basically, to summarize it, he's saying, you know, the, who can curse what God has blessed? You can't do it. And we have the promise of Abraham. We have the blessing of Abraham on our lives as born-again believers to go with all that. I'm just going to quote to you Deuteronomy 23, 5, talking about that whole Balaam story. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 23, 5. It says, nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Back in our story, if you can, Proverbs 26, in our text, verse 2. Like a flighting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause 
or careless curse shall not alight, or that means it will not come to pass. It will not come to pass. You don't have to worry. Verse 3. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. That's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? <laughs> we don't like you know, spending too much time in those verses, do we? <laughs> Basically, you know, a fool is very similar to a stubborn beast. You need to force them to do what's right. A warning, if you're stubborn, you know, it's going to be painful. You know, God will, if you're a child of God and you're still stubborn, it's painful. You know, God's going to, you know, he's going to correct you. He corrects the ones he loves. So that's pretty self-explanatory. So verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. These two verses I love. At first, when you first read them, you think, well, wait a second. These, these, these verses are contradicting each other. Doesn't it seem like that? Doesn't it? I mean, read it again. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him, lest you also be like him. And then it says, now it says, answer a fool according to his folly. That's the opposite. Lest he be wise in his own eyes. It's not a contradiction, um, as it looks like. It's according to his folly appears twice. It's a play on words. It's, there, it means there's two different meanings. And this is fascinating. I hope each one of us, I hope we get this because it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. And if we apply it, it could be very powerful. Verse four, the meaning of, uh, it means avoid stooping to their level. Don't use their methods. Like if, so don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. In other words, don't stoop to his level. If, if he's foolish and he's, he's acting uh, in anger towards you, don't respond in anger. Or if he's real frustrated with you, don't, don't respond in frustration. It's because you're just going to be just like him. Don't be foolish like him. But on the other hand, in verse 5, it seems to mean to correct the folly, though, and answer him with truth, or else he'll be wise in his own eyes. In other words, you know, his folly will get worse because you're not correcting him. Do you understand that? So don't get angry. In other words, you know, step back. He's angry or he's frustrated. He's being a fool. He's being foolish. So step back. Don't be angry. Don't be frustrated. Don't fall to his level, but do correct him. Because what will happen, he'll continue in his way and he'll think it's okay. And that might seem very basic, but I'll tell you what, if we can grasp those two verses, I think we can, you know, it could be very powerful. Because I don't know, you know, Sometimes when somebody's doing things and you don't want to, they're, they're angry, they're upset, they're, they're frustrated, and you just want to just go, whoa, I am staying far away from this person. And they continue in their foolishness. And this is saying, no, don't stoop to their level, but, but if you can, go to them in love, go to them in truth, and just bring some correction there. Because if they continue in their way, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse, and nobody's going to correct them, and they're going to continue in their way, and there's a lot of power in that. I think about verse 4, I think Moses filled that verse pretty good. When, remember when he was in the wilderness of, it's called Zin, not Sin, but they were all in Sin basically at one point. Right? And remember they had no water and they were complaining. And Moses went to the Lord and remember it was the second time. So the Lord, first time Moses smote the rock, remember? But the second time he went to the Lord and the Lord says, you know what? Just go speak to the rock. And it'll bring forth water. 
But you remember what Moses did at that point? He was so frustrated with them. Remember what he did? He took, he goes, must I smite the rock again? And he, and he, he hit the rock and he was like, he was angry. He says, you rebels. He's, he, you know, he's, he's getting all upset. Well, that's what he did. He, was, he answered them in their foolishness. The Lord didn't say, get upset, get angry. No, the Lord said, go there and just speak to the rock. And he answered them according to their foolishness and he became a fool himself. And if you know the story, because of that act, he was not allowed, Moses was not allowed to lead them into the promised land. And if you've heard this before, I'm sorry, but, but it's such a, it, he blew the picture. Because that rock, if you read it in, the, in Corinthians, the rock was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ only needs to be smitten once. He only needs to be struck one time for the sins of mankind. So here Moses, he hit it twice. He blew the whole picture. Because once Jesus was smitten, he was hit, he was struck, he was nailed to the cross, he died in our place. Now we just need to speak to him and say, Lord, refresh me, Lord, forgive me. So he blew the, the, the picture. But it fits perfectly with that verse because he, he answered them according to their folly. He was upset, he was angry. In verse five, I think of how Job's wife fits this one. Actually, Job, when he answered his wife, remember when Job was going through you know, suffering and, and his wife said, curse God and die? Remember that? Well, it doesn't say Job was angry. Job was upset. Job, Job smith, you know, hit her with a, with a stick. You know? It doesn't say that. But he did correct her. And check it out. I'm going to read what it says. Job 2.10. It says, he told his wife, you speak as one of the foolish, fits perfectly, as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we not indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his mouth. He answered her with truth, corrected her. These two do not contradict. So do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So correct a fool with truth, but don't stoop to his level. Man, if we could apply this day by day. Verse 6. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. That's a nice picture, huh? Wow. You know, this picture is so dramatic, so we'll get it. You know, cutting off your own feet. Do you notice it, it says cutting off your own feet? It doesn't say somebody else cut off your feet. So in other words, you're, you're damaging yourself. You're, you're bringing major damage upon yourself when you allow a foolish man deliver your messages. A fool, again, he, he wants nothing to do with God. Uh, this, this word also might be a simpleton, but you don't want someone to mess up an important message. I think about how as believers we're entrusted with the, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel. May we not be foolish when we, when we share the gospel. The gospel is so simple and we're called to share it. We're called to share the message. We're not to be the foolish ones that deliver it in such a way where we're just messing it up. I think it's in, as believers, I personally like to have sometimes, you know, I have tracks in my Bible, I have tracks in, the, in my vehicle, and, and I 
you know, like to have them on hand just in case, you know, in case, you know, there's, there's times I've had today, as a matter of fact, I was on a walk and I was going, and there was this kid I felt real, you know, compelled to talk to and, and stuff. And I stopped and said, hi, you know, and, and I just, I was hoping that I had a track. I didn't have much time to spend with them, but I was hoping, you know, if I could have just left him a track, typically I do. But, and then I felt, wow, it, you know, it's so important that we do that, at least to have tracks on hand that have the gospel because we're messengers, Paul the Apostle, most of you know, said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. May we not be foolish messengers. May we, may we understand the message, the simplicity of the cross. I don't know, sometimes uh, I'll complicate it. Do you ever do that? <laughs> it's like... I'll get so excited, I'll say this and that and that and that. It's like, it's so much better when you just simplify it and just talk about the cross and you bring the person to the cross. There is so much power in the cross of Jesus Christ. There is so much power in the cross of Jesus Christ where he died. There's so much power in that simple message that he went to the cross to take away your sin because your sin separates you from a holy God. He who knew no sin became sin for you. And there's so often that when I'm out in the streets or I'm talking with somebody, you know, I'll get in a debate, you know, theological debates. And I'm like, it never, I've never seen someone come to the Lord with a, a personally, myself, I don't know, with these theological debates where it's heated and they're, what about this? And what about that? And it's like, whoosh, you got your sword, you go, tsh, you go, tsh, you go, tsh, and you go, whoa, and then you strike, and you feel so good, and then you got him down, and you're like this, and it's like, okay, now do you want Jesus? Then you walk away thinking, man, I won that debate, man, I'll tell you, and there's like, and it's like, but, but what happened? And it's not, and please don't get me wrong, we, we know, we need to debate, we need to, you know, we need to be able to debate, but but not to a, a place where you're not bringing the person to the cross. And I, I don't know about you, but it's happened to me several times where, where the, the swords are out and we're going. And, and then I, I've, many times I was like, whoa. And the Lord's just telling me, what are you doing? Like, I'm defending you, Lord. <laughs> and there's times the Lord just said, put the sword away, bring him to the cross. There's a gentleman on the plane not too long ago that we were talking with, and, and I'm telling you, it was just boom, boom, boom. And it, was, it was great questions, and this, this kid was so smart. And he was just, and then and I'm there, and Kathleen's there, and she's like, she's at the edge of her seat. She's like this, you know, talking to him. And then he, we, he, he got, you know, we got him thinking, he stopped, and he was like, oh, Lord, what about this? And then, and then he's like, whoa. And then he's, and it just was so good. And finally, I just felt the Lord just say, share the gospel. And I said, hey, all this, you know, I... I've been loving this conversation. I can talk for hours about this stuff. But I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. You, you might not believe that. You told me you don't believe in a God. But we have a God that believes in you and created you and knows everything about you and loves you with an everlasting love. And his, his love for you will never stop. And he loves you so much, he went to the cross of Calvary and he died in your place. Your sins separate you from a holy God. And again, I know you might not believe that right now, but it's true. And all you need to do is repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus Christ. And I watched this man melt in his, his face. And as, and as I looked in his eyes, I could see in his eyes, he was, he was looking at me like, can that be true? Can that be true? 
Because he's under so much garbage in his head, these lies that he's under. And just the, the cross of Calvary cut through all of that. And I, I seen it in his eyes. He just looked like, can it be true? And I looked back at him. I said, it's true. I know you don't believe it, but it's true. Help us, Lord, not to be foolish messengers. Help us, Lord, to be in tune with his spirit. God wants to talk to those people around us. Sometimes we can, I can, have a pat answer and have the right notes and have everything ready. But it's so much better when we allow the Holy Spirit to speak and we bring them to the cross, the message of the cross. Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our It's the sound of Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. It's become the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our sound of our